What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. This is the one-stop shop for all things coaching. We do not stop at training and nutrition. We go much deeper, and we cover all things personal development. My goal with this show is to be a coach through your speakers and help you develop every area of your life, but most specifically, training and nutrition. Guys, if you're new to this podcast, please do me two huge favors. First and foremost, hit the subscribe button so you can get updated to every single episode we drop, which is three times per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The next thing, go check out the top four rated episodes by the listeners. That's going to be the nutrition FAQ, the training FAQ, my personal journey into fitness and coaching, and nutritional periodization. Those are all linked in the description below. I highly recommend you check those out before you go any further into the episodes of this podcast. Those are the most popular episodes, and they're going to give you so much information and content around what we talk about most on this show. Today is part seven of the eight-part Nutrition for Fat Loss series. Guys, we are almost done with this series, two months in the making. It's been a blast to educate you in this process, and we're getting closer to the end. Today is an episode that is really going to help take all of the concepts we've covered in parts one through six and actually help you functionally use them inside of a diet, I guess you could say. Today's episode is adjusting the diet. So this is literally taking all the information about calories, macros, micros, meal timing, nutrient timing, um, all the different things, food composition, all the things we talked about in the previous episodes. And we're taking that information and now we're showing you how to adjust along the way. Something I always say inside of our coaching is that the magic is inside the adjustments or the individualization is inside the adjustments. There's a lot of online calculators out there for you to uh, figure out your macros and try to start dieting. But the reality is, is along the way, you are absolutely going to reach plateaus. It is just part of this fat loss game. And along the way, you need to know how to adjust to not only break through those plateaus, but consistently see progress week to week and actually feel good, keeping the biofeedback high while we see aesthetic results. So today, I'm going to show you different strategies, methods, and tools that you can use and implement into your diet to make sure that you are adjusting properly along the way to consistently see progress week to week and know what to look for. So you can see a plateau coming, adjust, keep biofeedback high, and again, keep seeing results because at the end of the day, we need adjustments for the long term when we're periodizing a plan in order to make things actually work. On paper, a plan, a successful plan, a blueprint, a diet, it's all great. It's amazing. It gets you excited. It's going to work. But if you don't have a plan for adjustments, if you don't have a way to adjust, a method to adjust, and these different tools to keep biofeedback high while you adjust to consistently see results, well, you're just not going to do that. You're not going to consistently see results. So this episode is so key, and it's kind of funny because as I'm saying that, I realize I say that before every single episode. This episode is so key. This part is so key. These uh, ideas are so key. But the reality is, is uh, a diet is it's so multifaceted and there's so many tools and so many pieces of the puzzle and that's why I love dieting and nutrition and training so much is there's so many different things going on and if you don't understand all of these to- together and that's the big thing all of these together if you don't understand them as one unit and able to put them together you're going to struggle to diet successfully so this is another one of those episodes that is a key episode so you can take everything we're talking about you can put it together you can make it work for you you can avoid the plateaus along the way and you can adjust for better progress guys if this show helps you in any way shape or form and you want to help me reach more people 
So more people can get excited about this, more people can learn about this, more people can become educated, and more people can get better results around the world. Please do me two huge favors. The first one, head over to iTunes, click the search bar, search Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Even if you're already subscribed, go leave us a five-star rating review and let me know what you love about the show so I can continue doing it to make it even better for you. The second thing, take a screenshot of the show right now, head over to Instagram, post it on your story, tell me what you love about the episode, and make sure you tag me at Cody.BoomBoom. I want to talk to you. I want to message you and I want to thank you for spending this time with me today and learning and educating yourself on how to diet for some more successful results. All right, guys, without any further ado, let's get on to part seven, adjusting the diet. Part seven of the eight part nutrition for fat loss series. Today, we're talking about adjusting the diet. We've kind of gone up this hierarchy of nutrition for fat loss And we're in this category of the hierarchy that is just everything else. I kind of categorize everything as I mentioned in the last couple videos because inside of individualized nutrition coaching, individualized nutrition for fat loss period, what we do at Boom Boom Performance is there are some fundamental things that are the most important. They They kind of lay the groundwork. They put your foundation before you can build anything on top of it. And that is adherence, metrics, calories, macros. After that, It's all kind of clumped up into the same exact category or section because everybody's individual. Everybody's going to need a different thing at a different time in a different way. And that's why parts five, six, seven, and eight don't really have an order of importance. I'm just putting them out as I feel fit. I want to tell you guys about these things and you need to use them as a tool when you are ready to use them. So today we're going to talk about adjusting the diet. The reality of all dieting for fat loss is that at some point in time, it's going to stop working. What you did to get here is not going to get you there. As we progress with our fat loss, as we continually diet and get leaner and leaner, at some point in time, the scale is going to stop budging. We're going to stop losing as much fat. We're not going to have a consistently linear progress to fat loss. We don't just set macros, start a diet, and week after week after week, we just see results until six months later, we're lean like we wanted to. We have to adjust along the way. And this is one of the things I tell to a lot of clients that onboard with us at Boom Boom Performance is I talk about the individualization, the magic is really in the adjustments. Along the way, there are a lot of tools that we can use to break plateaus and keep your progress consistently moving forward. But every single person out there is going to use a different strategy, a different tool, and a different method because their plateau and the reason they're at a plateau or stopped progressing is completely different than everybody else because they're their own individual. And that's the big secret here. And that's the reason why adjusting the diet is actually really key. We couldn't talk about this before we talked about any of the other stuff because you can't adjust a diet unless you know where your metrics are at, how many calories you're consuming, what your macros look like, how your nutrients are being delivered and what your daily diet looks like. And how are you periodizing that plan across one, three, six, 12 months? Once we have those things, which we've already talked about in uh, episodes one through six, now we can talk about adjusting the diet. You've laid down the foundation and at some point, I'm sorry, it's going to stop working. This is what you do when it gets to that point and it stops working. So we're just going to go down the list on this. The first one, the simplest thing, the most repeatable thing, the thing that usually always works but there is a threshold. You can't just continually do this forever and expect to not experience some form of hormonal or metabolic adaptation because you would just be running your calories into the ground. But the simplest thing we can do is we can create a bigger calorie deficit through nutrition. We've already created a deficit with our calories and macros and now we're losing weight. 
when we stop losing weight, the simplest thing to do that we can actually do over and over again is some simple math and we can create a bigger deficit. We can create a calorie subtraction. Now, the reason I want to preface and, and warn you before I say repeatable, because it is very repeatable, it's simple as hell to do, but you can't just continually repeat it week after week, month after month after month, because you'll go from dieting on 2,000 calories to all of a sudden dieting on 1,000 calories. Are you losing weight? Maybe, but you probably feel like shit. Your hormones are running into the ground. Your nervous system isn't functioning properly. You're probably experiencing digestive and joint stress. The list goes on. We don't want to run our calories in the ground forever. But if you're at the beginning of a diet, if you are doing everything we've been talking about in parts one through six, you can absolutely make a calorie subtraction. You can diet. The reality of getting really lean is you need to eat less. That's part of this. We create a deficit from our calories. That's how we get lean. So creating a five to 10% calorie subtraction is a really good way to target the minimal effective dose. 5% is, is gonna be the minimum. 5% of your total calories subtracted via carbs or fat. It's likely going to lead to some progress. It's going to break you through that plateau. However, some individuals are just a little bit more stubborn or they have a, a shorter timeline and therefore they need to err on the side of 10%, a higher percentage. You might fall right in between and go 7.5. This is where kind of the coaching relationship with the client and us works and we get comfortable with somebody's body. We get to learn and become more educated, more self-aware about how our client's bodies work. So if I pull 5% calories via carbohydrates, let's say, from a client's diet and we don't see any progress, my next step, pull another five. Now we start seeing progress. Well, what did I really do? I created a 10% calorie reduction. I created a bigger deficit by pulling 10% of calories, even though I tried 5% at the beginning. And the reason I'm saying this is because next time we go to pull calories, I will know it's less likely that a very conservative, minimal effective dose is going to work for this individual, whether that's due to metabolic history or just because they just have a stubborn body and no research is going to tell us why. Some people just have more stubborn stubbornness with their fat loss and therefore I have to err on the bigger side. There's going to be strategies that go even more aggressive than that and I'll get to that towards the end of this. But the point with this range is that that five to 10% is a, is a conservative range. And when we're starting to pull calories, it's safer to do that because you're not going to tap into energy stores or muscle stores too much with that at all. You can pull five to 10% of calories. It's not going to hurt you too much at the beginning and you're probably going to see some uh, progress, but some individuals do just fine with five. So test that out first because the less we can pull and still make progress, the better and err on the side of 10% if you know you are a stubborn individual when it comes to fat loss. Now, why are we pulling from carbs and fat? We never really want to touch protein whatsoever. If we can keep protein as high as possible during a diet, as described in the macro section, so if you haven't watched that, go back and listen to that one, we want to keep protein as high as possible because that's what keeps our satiation, our ability to stay full during a deficit high, but it's also what allows us to maintain strength and muscle mass. We need to maintain muscle mass during a diet because that's what keeps us healthy hormonally and just healthy in general, neurologically, but it also helps us perform in the gym. And when we get lean and we lose weight, we want to have muscle mass on our body because it looks better. So keeping protein high is going to be uh, advantageous and it's very unlikely, and I talked about this in another episode, so I'm not going to go too deep here, but it's very, very, very unlikely that any protein is ever going to store as body fat unless you're consuming an ungodly amount, which is probably going to be impossible. Like it's that hard to store protein as body fat. There's a lot of research that shows that it is really, really hard. So 
we're gonna keep that high and we're gonna pull from carbs or fats. How do you choose? Well, the first step is pull from either carbs or fat dependent on what you can adhere best to. So if you're tracking your macros and you already feel like you're on a low carb diet, you already feel like it's hard for you to stay within your carb range, pull from fat because you don't wanna pull from carbs and make your diet harder on you, creating more stress, less flexibility, and likely less adherence, which is gonna to lead to less consistency. You're probably gonna fall off the diet and there we don't have any results. So pull from fat. However, if you struggle to keep within your fats, pull from carbs. Or last but not least, based on your goal and your intensity. So if you're training really hard in the gym with a lot of volume or a lot of glycolytic activity like CrossFit, I wouldn't suggest pulling from too many carbs because you need those carbs to perform the type of training that you enjoy training. Now, at the same token, if your fats are already at a low range, say 20% or less of your total calories, you don't wanna pull from fats because any lower than that, and you're gonna start seeing consequences neurologically and hormonally because we know fats are very important for our hormonal and our neurological health. So we have to think about all these things as we make uh, subtractions and pulls from the calories, but at the end of the day, the first option when adjusting your diet and you hit a plateau, pretty simple, pretty easy, you can repeat it. Pull five to 10% of calories from your diet. Remember what works for you, whether that was five, 7.5 or 10%, and know that in the future, when you need to pull again, when you hit another plateau, or next year when you're dieting again, what worked last time? I know aggressive pulls work better for me, so I'm not gonna spend weeks and weeks pulling 3%, 5%, 7.5%. I'm gonna jump to 10 to 15% right away, get it done with, lose fat, and stay in a deficit for less time. And I think that's very important because no matter if you're in a small deficit or a big deficit, time in a deficit is stressful on your body regardless. The next strategy, implementing diet breaks. These are when we bring calories up to maintenance for three to 14 days. I know that's a big range, but the way we're gonna adjust this is, the longer we're in a deficit, the longer our maintenance block should be. For every, usually what we say is you should have twice as much almost, or maybe like 1.5 as much time at maintenance than a deficit throughout your year. Now that might seem like a lot because you have a big goal and you wanna diet, but it just goes to show that we should be frequently implementing refeeds, diet breaks, and maintenance blocks to make sure that we are not harming our body from a hormonal health standpoint. Keeping our metabolism healthy, keeping muscle mass on our body, and continually having health in our life so that we don't diet ourselves into the ground. So when we implement diet breaks, this is usually because A, you've been dieting for too long, or B, your stress is too high. Just like we need a deload inside of training, when we've trained week after week after week and we are progressively getting stronger, training harder with more volume and at a higher intensity, our body is overreaching. It is so close to burnout that we need to pull volume and intensity down by taking a deload, taking it easy, allowing our body to recover, and then we get this super compensation effect. This is where we finally take a break and actually do less, but we experience more gains because our body is finally able to recover from what we've been doing. Diet breaks kind of work like this. When we are training hard, we're doing cardio, and we're dieting in a deficit, we are putting stress on our body and it is trying its hardest to adapt to it. But as stress gets higher, so does cortisol. And one of the negative consequences of cortisol is that it can actually block muscle growth and fat loss. So when we get to this point and you notice that your biofeedback is in the tank, your stress is higher, you're more moody, you're more irritable, you're sleeping like shit, and your general stress as a whole is higher, body fatigue, nervous system, whatever way you're gonna pinpoint it, if your stress is higher, it's most likely you're not losing weight because of that stress and it's time to take a diet break. 
you don't want to do these too frequently just to make an excuse to eat more food. But if you've been dieting for two to three weeks and you feel that diet fatigue coming on, take a three-day diet break. Give yourself maintenance calories. So bring your calories back up to where you started at maintenance or use a calculator to do maintenance and bring them up via carbohydrates. If you don't know what your maintenance is, take your current carb intake and times it anywhere by 0.5 to 1.5. It can be a little ad or it can be a big ad. It depends on how big of a deficit you're in and how long you've been in that deficit. But the point is, is we're adding carbs and we're gonna keep them there for 72 hours or more. 72 hours of overfeeding or eating at maintenance is what has been shown in research to actually provide some kind of support to our hormonal system and our metabolic system to stop the negative adaptations that happen during a deficit. We're not boosting our metabolism or speeding up our metabolism during this time. We're really just stopping it from getting worse during this time. And the less time we're in a deficit, the less harm on our metabolism, which means we can diet for longer and at a healthier rate. So implementing a diet break comes in when we are too stressed out in any way, shape or form and our fat loss has stalled, but you do not feel that it's time for a deficit. In these scenarios, it can be confusing. This is why I always encourage coaching. If you're watching this, this seems overwhelming. This seems confusing. You don't understand how to even track stress or understand how to implement diet breaks at all. It's probably going to be best that you click the link in the description, in the show notes of this video, apply for a strategy call. Let us educate you personally and talk to you about coaching. Diet breaks can be confusing, but again, the main thing we're going to do here is when your body is too taxed, it's too stressed and you're possibly burnt out, but you don't want to create a bigger deficit. Try taking a diet break for three days, up to 14 days. If you've been dieting for 10 to 12 weeks, that's when you're taking a full two weeks at maintenance. But either way we go here, your weight will gain because every one gram of carb holds three to four grams of water and it pulls in sodium. So when you eat that many carbs, you're gonna be retaining water. It's gonna show on the scale, but most of them are gonna be intracellular. So we're actually gonna have those in our muscle. That's a good thing. We're gonna be fuller. The scale is gonna be heavier, so don't let it mess with your head. A few days later, you're gonna flush that water, you're gonna be back to your normal weight. I see it all the time. Within a week, you're back to your normal weight, and then usually, you're actually progressing at a faster rate. So in a timeline setting, we diet, implement a diet break, we probably gain a few pounds, it takes up to a week to lose that weight because it's all just water, and then all of a sudden we start progressing again at a faster rate, usually breaking through that plateau. And that's when, how, and why you would implement a diet break. The next one is very similar, it's a refeed day, or days. This is where we do one to two days. A single refeed day has one sole purpose, psychological benefit, and I guess we could say a glycogen replenishment. When we train and we're in a deficit, we slowly deplete glycogen. Glycogen is the stored carbohydrate in our muscle. As we eat carbs and we train, we take carbohydrates, we take water, and we store them in our muscle. As we diet and eat less carbs, we deplete that glycogen storage. So every once in a while, it's good to have a high carb day to just simply replenish that glycogen so you can recover faster and you can have better training. Um, you'll have better performance. You'll probably get a pump better and you'll just enjoy it a little bit more. But the main purpose here is gonna be a psychological refeed. This is just where we have one day of freedom. Date night, you have more calories, you can have a little bit more freedom with how much you eat and more flexibility, and then you go back to the diet. But that psychological relief creates a big stress reduction and allows you to adhere better to the diet long-term, and therefore you'll see better progress. Taking a two-day refeed is just like, from a physiological standpoint, it's just like a diet break. Same benefits, just not as beneficial or high of a benefit because it's only two days. 
obviously the more maintenance days we take, the more we're out of the deficit, the longer we're out of the deficit. Therefore, our hormones are gonna be, have a bigger safety net and a bigger insurance policy, I guess you could say. So two days of refeeding is the bare minimum to see any physiological standpoint. One day is not going to significantly change leptin, ghrelin, hormones, uh, metabolism, thyroid, testosterone, all these hormones that take a hit when we go into a serious deficit. One day is not gonna do anything. It's just gonna give us some mental sanity, maybe some glycogen replenishment. Two days, however, is going to be enough. 48 hours of higher carbs, higher calories in general, usually pulled up via carbs, is gonna give us that benefit, just like a diet break, but we can have these more frequently. So if you'd rather have more uh, refeeds because of psychological reasons, stress reasons, um, maybe because you like to train really hard, or maybe because you're dieting and you have a longer timeline, or last but not least, you're really concerned about maintaining as much muscle as possible, meaning you wanna spend as much time out of a deficit as possible while cutting fat, then you're gonna probably sit in a two-day refeed and you're gonna do those every five to 10 days. So now more frequently I'm refeeding, but I'm only doing it for two days in a row. If you're doing a single day refeed, this is most likely gonna be every single week. But these are another ways that you can implement to adjust the diet and see further progress. Next, change meal ratios. This is just the protein, carbs, and fats inside of a meal. This is pretty simple. We touched on this a little bit when we uh, talked about nutrient timing. But when I look at my diet, if I have protein, fats, and carbs spread out through all the meals, I'm at a deficit already and I don't wanna pull any more calories. I might take my carbs and put them all around my workout and take most of my fats and push them on the opposite time. This is gonna create a difference in our insulin sensitivity. It's also gonna shuttle more of those nutrients into the workout window, which will potentially store more of them as muscle glycogen, less of them as fat. It's gonna produce better recovery, we'll possibly be able to train a little bit harder, and therefore we're gonna burn more calories in our training. This is very anecdotal, and a lot of studies will show as long as your total calories are in check, you're not gonna see much difference in progress, and I would agree with that. However, in my experience with people who are very dialed in, who are hitting their macros every single day and who are training hard, simply changing our meal ratio can see significant difference. And to even to add to that, something that's not even on this board is meal composition. If you change your diet from a very flexible approach to a more whole food based approach, so you're taking less of those processed foods out and you're putting more of those whole foods and minimally processed, minimal ingredient foods, that meal composition actually has a significant benefit as well. Not because there's any magic foods or because you can't eat whatever you want and still lose weight because if calories are controlled, studies show you can. It's because food labels can be up to 20% inaccurate. But an apple and broccoli and chicken, those don't have food labels. It's whole food. So this simply makes the metrics and the macros that you're actually tracking just a little bit more accurate. So this next one is pretty simple. Changing your meal ratios to just shift the times of when you're having protein, fats, and carbs, putting protein in every meal, carbs around workout, fats on the other time of the day, and then making the composition of your meals a little bit higher quality can have a significant difference in adjusting a diet to break a plateau. Next, we have adding calorie expenditure through lists, hit, or neat. Pretty simple, has nothing to do with a diet, but I figured I'd add it in here because it is adjusting your plan in order to elicit a change. If you're at a point where you don't want to pull any calories because you love your food, you're already trying hard to adhere to this plan and you don't wanna pull more calories and possibly not have consistency or fall off the diet or not have enough flexibility inside of it, you can't implement diet breaks because you're already doing that. You don't wanna implement refeeds because you're doing diet breaks or you're already doing refeeds. 
You can't change your meal composition because you've already done that as well. What do you do now? Well, this is a time where you, instead of pulling more calories, you simply up your knee, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, so simply going on more walks per day. A big favorite of mine is implementing two to three 10 minute walks throughout the day. Get up, walk at a brisk pace, get your heart rate going, and then go sit down. Just 10 minutes, get moving, that significantly increases insulin sensitivity, heart health, and calorie expenditure throughout the day and throughout the week. That's gonna help a lot. You could do list cardio by just adding 30 minute walk two to three times a week. You can add some hit sessions at the end of your workouts. And this is all explained in a cardio video that I will link in the description. But the point of this is, if you're at a point where you can't adjust your nutrition any further through diet breaks, meal timing, composition, things like that, and you don't wanna pull any more calories because you would rather do more exercise than you would create a bigger deficit, which is completely okay. And it's very common in a lot of people who are struggling to adhere to a plan and don't want to remove flexibility in that nutrition plan, just add some cardio in some way, shape or form. It can be very simple, it can be more intense, but the point is, if we add some cardio, we're gonna create a bigger deficit through calorie expenditure and that's gonna get you results as well. This is another reason I don't add that at the very beginning because it's a tool we can use later on. Next, deficit days. This is a really simple way of creating a bigger caloric subtraction, a caloric deficit, but it's just doing it on one or two days. So you can do it a couple of ways. You can add intermittent fasting. So you could fast for 16 to 18 hours every day. Not something I typically recommend because I don't think that's as advantageous for aesthetic body composition as some may make you believe. And I think it's not a good idea for good performance, which is a big driver of uh, aesthetic changes. But you could also take one day per week and just make it a huge deficit. And it sounds so simple and so easy, but it can be so good for better fat loss because instead of me creating a five to 10% calorie reduction every single day, let's take a 5% calorie reduction, add it up, and let's say that's a thousand calories at the end of the week. Well, instead of doing that many uh, small adjustments to every day because I like my food and I like training hard, on Sundays when it's my rest day, I might just fast for 16 hours that day, have a protein shake and a green shake for my breakfast, which keeps my calories very low, and then just have a big dinner. And it's probably gonna be low carb, high fat, high protein. I'm satiated, I didn't have to worry about eating all day, and I just created a thousand calorie deficit on one single day. For some people, that's a lot easier. And at the end of the week, if your weekly caloric total is in a deficit, you are gonna see the same progress as you would if your daily caloric expenditure added up to that same thing. So for deficit days, you can pick one or two days a week and you can create a very large deficit so that you can eat more calories on your training days and have more flexibility on the majority of your week. Because for some people, it's easier to have one diet day than seven diet days. The last thing we're gonna talk about is a more complicated um, strategy, but this is a way we can undulate calories. So this is intermittent restriction. So there's a few ways we can do this. We can do carb cycling. This is simply cycling calories up and down throughout the week. So we'll have a high day, low day, high day, low day. We can do low, low, high. There's a million ways to do it. In fact, I'm gonna link another video in this description and it is our carb cycling explained video. And this is where I dive into each way you can carb cycle, why you might wanna carb cycle and how it can get you better results. Now, carb cycling isn't going to create a better result than simply creating a deficit throughout the week. Studies show if your weekly total expenditure total deficit is the same, it doesn't matter. However, when we go back to that adherence point, if cycling your carbs up and down and your calories up and down throughout the week allows you to adhere to your calorie intake better, 
it's going to be a win and it's going to help you break through plateau because you can create a bigger deficit on those low days you will adhere better and therefore we used principle number one creating a bigger deficit in a different way for you personally to adhere better to get better results next we have the matador study this is the true definition of intermittent restriction this is where we take one to two weeks and we go on a diet bigger than a five to ten percent so it might take us longer to diet and each week that we're in a diet and we're in a deficit, it might be 15, 20, up to 30% calorie restriction. So a really big deficit. And it's gonna be more difficult because you're pulling way more calories out of your diet, but you're only gonna do it for one to two weeks. After that one to two week period, you do a diet break. You bring your calories up to maintenance and you sit there for one to two weeks. You'll gain a few pounds of water retention, but at the end of the day, you're you're pushing away all the metabolic adaptation that happens. And this has been documented in studies. You can research the Matador study and it will show they took obese male individuals and they dieted them for two weeks straight, maintenance two weeks, diet two weeks, maintenance two weeks, and they did it for 16 weeks. They took another group and they dieted them every week for eight weeks, I believe. They got the same exact fat loss result. However, it was easier to maintain after the result was achieved for the people that were alternating their weeks in this intermittent restriction and they had way less metabolic and hormonal adaptation, which means that they stayed healthier throughout the diet. So this might be a really good option for people who have enough time to do it and they don't want to suffer any consequences from dieting. But again, it's intermittent restriction. So you're just going up and down with your calories week to week. And then last but not least, you can do intermittent fasting. This is just where we fast every day for anywhere between 14 to 18 hours. It's not my preferred choice for anybody who likes to train hard or maintain or build muscle, but it is an option at the end of the day Intermittent fasting works great for fat loss, but only because it allows some people to adhere better. They've done a lot of studies that show no difference between intermittent fasting and general calorie restriction. All the difference is, is some people can adhere better to the intermittent fasting. All right, guys, that is part seven of the Nutrition for Fat Loss series. We are almost done with the series. This was adjusting the diet. After taking everything we've covered in all these episodes, this is gonna be really helpful two to three months for you down the road. This is what we do as coaches to really manipulate a diet and help people understand how we can adjust along the way by implementing each and every one of these things at certain times to elicit a bigger change without having to constantly pull calories or constantly put you in a starvation state. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Give this video a like if you did. Give us a comment and let us know what you want our next series to be about because we're working on that now. And if you want any more information on everything we talked about, go to boomboomperformance.com. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation 
to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time. Thank you.